On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. happy well, to just kind of slap it around a bit right and as we yeah. all are from time to time yeah. <laughs> and, uh, i'm not sure what the f- this is i'm about to find out this is tall can audio how's it going everybody hope you're having a great monday morning except you Raphael devers you can go fuck yourself welcome inside an all-new episode of the tall can audio podcast matt over here rob over there how's it going man I'm long. I'm sad faced, Matt. I'm sad faced, really. Yeah. Although, you know, shite weather. The whole weekend has just been. I'm feeling blue, Matt. That's really what's happening. Well, so is our you? baseball team. I'm doing all right, man. We're holding strong. We're doing whatever. We'll let the good listener in on the fact that uh, we have started recording here about uh, 45 seconds after Juan Soto struck out to uh, officially eliminate. The Toronto Blue Jays from uh, from any further contention, any number of wild card and tie breaking scenarios have been floating around all weekend. So uh, that's where we're at. Uh, Blue Jays win like they're supposed to. Yankees and Red Sox both win like they're not supposed to. So that'll kind of be the focus of the show today, man. We got a couple things to touch on, but that's where we're we're coming at this from. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Tall Can Audio, Facebook.com slash Tall Can Audio. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you're listening. What did you just crack there, man? I got a little something new today, Matt. Mm. I have something from Shiloh Beer Company based out of East Ottawa. Okay. They've opened up in the past, I want to say past year. Mm -hmm. Uh, They were originally, they were were brewing, uh, contract brewing, I believe with Junction City in Toronto. Okay. And have relocated here, and uh, so it's a husband and wife. Shiloh's the last name, and for those of you interested, very prominently on the website, it says kosher. So Okay. I, I, I'm not sure if that's, so anybody out there, you know, uh, there it is. But this is a, um, this is their session ale. They call it a India session ale. Uh, first poll, very, very smooth. Very smooth. Comes in at about 4.8%. So um, I got a couple of these. I'm going to wash these down. But something new. I have yet to have something from Shiloh. S-H. Yeah, it's like Willow, but with an S-H on the front. Okay. Shiloh. Yeah, I'm not sure I've ever even uh, heard of these fine folks. Um, So may have to check that out. Uh, I am into something, and it feels like most of my summer has been fairly regional here. But uh, this is out of Peterborough. 
Um, this is from the, I think I've had one from there before. It's called the Haven Brewing Company. And uh, this is their Keller beer. And it is uh, 5.2%. says here to expect kind of a, a light ale. Um, so, you know, it's 5.2%. We'll see what that's all about. But between the the old dog and the Bob Cajun and the uh, now the, the Haven Brewing Company here, um, you know, after a couple trips down to cottage country there over the summer and whatever, I guess that's what's sort of backing up around here. But uh, yeah, this is from the Haven Brewing Company, their Keller beer. We'll see what that's all about. I'm not sure I've ever heard of that. So um, I'm interested. You let me know. You give that a pull and and see what shakes loose. Because, um, but yeah, you're loving you're loving the Central Ontario beers. Seems to be, man. Seems to be right now. This is uh, upon first pull. If I was to compare it to anything, I would say Mill Street Organic is what it's reminding me of. So you know, they said to expect that kind of light uh, thing to it. So I guess we'll be okay with that. And, and there's nothing wrong with it, but not a ton of flavor. Uh, but it does feel like one of those ones, had the weather been a little bit nicer, a little bit warmer, uh, you would enjoy this as more of a kind of a, a summer uh, a summer going on. But uh, it's hitting the spot, man. See, and, and Keller's, I don't I don't really go in for traditionally, but um, it usually has a, a little bit of a waxy finish. Yeah, I wouldn't I say find. that here, because you're right. Well, okay. That is normally what I would expect too, but uh, yeah, I'm not getting that. Okay, well then, Haven Brewing Company, we'll maybe check you out. I uh, got a couple things to jump into here. We're going to start with baseball. Before we do, I would suggest if you're into such things, uh, go back to Friday's episode. That was number 881. And I was talking to Sean Fitzgerald from The Athletic. Uh, he covers a lot of the kind of sports media beat across country. Uh, Rogers and Sportsnet Radio, not a great week, right? As they slashed a bunch of jobs. Our buddy Scotty Mack gets let go. Uh, one of my favorite guys down there as well, Richard Deitch in Toronto, also let go. There was uh, some other dismissals across the country. And then they completely remodeled the Fan 590, which is kind of the original sports radio station in Canada. And it's been turned into this kind of weird hybrid beast of, we're going to put basically podcasts live on the radio, but then you can go find them later if you want. And I don't know, it seems like a weird business model. Got into it uh, with Sean Fitzgerald on episode 881. So uh, you can go back and check that out wherever you're listening right now, talkinaudio.com. And He's a, go ahead. Sorry. No, you go ahead. Finish that up. I uh, was just going to say um, that we also have started something new. I've started something a little new, and it, it'll, it'll be over by the end of the week, but it may be laying the groundwork for something. We'll see. Uh, on Friday, Amazon Prime drops their All or Nothing uh, Toronto Maple Leaf series. And uh, so thought maybe I'd do a little review plus expand upon after each episode. Uh, so the first one of those, and uh, because I'm very clever like this, uh, we are calling that mini series here on the podcast Tall or Nothing. And uh, episode one of Tall or Nothing has dropped earlier on Sunday. You can check that out. And they will drop throughout the week as we move through each episode at noon. So you can check those out at your leisure, should you be into such things. Just sort of expanding on some of what we're seeing behind the scenes, uh, stuff like that, through that Amazon series. So if you're into that, uh, you can look for those right where you're listening now, again, on your podcast feed or at tallcanaudio.com. All this week, we'll be dropping those at noon. I want to check into the last one. I'm sure you do. I'm sure. When when everything goes astray, that's what I want to see. We're about to hit, uh, I believe it's episode one, so we finished that. Yeah, episode one ended with, it was 5-1. Okay. That Senator's uh, 
and I, I made the mistake as I was recording oh. episode two, which will drop on uh, on Monday at noon. Uh, corrected myself. You can call it that it was five one, but uh, I, I made the mistake of saying you know that five one game. It's really that six five game is what we probably should call it, right? And maybe yeah. in Ottawa that's what it should be called. So, uh, you know, it's been interesting from what I've seen thus far, and so. Yeah, just it's not really a review. I'm not far from a film reviewer. I just sort of go over what we talk about and then expand on some context and what it means. So uh, you can look for those throughout the week. Sean Fitzgerald was uh, I, I tuned into to some of that. You're a busy man last week. Uh, you had a bunch of stuff going, going on. on. Yeah, um, but he was getting his big brain out, taking him for a walk. There, he's a he, he's a sharp guy. Eh? For sure, and he's dropping Shakespeare references, <laughs> and he's he's all over the place, right? So uh, good listen. And then he's the guy we had on about a year ago, wrote that uh, book, um, Before the Lights Go Out, where he followed the Peterborough Peets around as, you know, and it's sort of an in and out of the changing nature of hockey in Canada. And, you know, it's kind of lack of diversity and, and why the, the registration numbers are down, but also following this, you know, once mighty um, Ontario Hockey League junior franchise that now uh, sort of being out in the boons where apparently I'm enjoying the breweries, but maybe people aren't enjoying the hockey quite as much is now struggling anyway to find uh, hockey's become big business, right? It's your London's it's your Kingston's it's your Ottawa. Yeah. That are able to have these bigger buildings and, and make a little bit more money. Um, and the peach are struggling a little bit. So if you're kind of new to the podcast, um, we covered that about a year ago, but the book's called Before the Lights Go Out, A Year Inside, A Game Worth Saving, I believe was the full title, but for sure it's Before the Lights Go Out. So that's Sean Fitzgerald as well, if you want to check that out. Well, and just on a, just, just to finish that up, yeah. that is that is the way, like if you look at, you know, what used to be the lifeblood, it was your your Guelphs, your Peterboroughs, your North Bays, yep. your Sault Ste. Marie's, right? Um, Belleville. Just some of these areas where Barry. that that Barry, these are junior where the, that's the big dog, right? But more and more, you're looking at deep pocket ownership in 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 certain places. Kitchener, where they're, London, like you say, Windsor, yep. nice new buildings. Yeah, ownership that's that's willing to run a pro style program, right? So it lures American kids up. It it brings in people who are thinking about maybe going the tier two NCAA route. Yeah. And it's left the, it's left the places like Peterborough, which when I was there, that was just a, a, a factory, yep. right? They were pumping out NHL players. Now you got, because of the, the antiquated barn they play out of that. It's, it's a place that draft picks don't want to go to. Right. And yeah. that's, that's a sad, sad day. Well, because we've had the conversation a bunch of times, whether it be about World Juniors or Memorial Cup, and like you said, instead of your, you know, your Lethbridge and your wherever, you know, Brandons and stuff like that, your Medicine Hat. Sure, you, they're seeing less and less of the All Star games and the that Sudbury or Sudbury that Super Series with the Russians and you know Memorial Cups and World Juniors and stuff. You're seeing less and less of that in these kind of smaller communities, and it's sort of being dropped into yeah these powerhouse junior hockey cities, which, you know, if you're a part of those programs, it's fantastic. But for the rest of the league, you wonder, you know, if it's maybe not quite such a good thing. So uh, it's an interesting book. Holidays are coming. I guess I'll give a quick shout out here too, because he's been on the show and it did drop last week. Mike Comito's book is now available. Hockey 365, the second period uh, is now available. More daily stories from the ice. And it's essentially, you know, flip through a page a day. Basically, it's 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 one story per day. 
uh, from that date in history. And uh, Mike has no problems with the fact that he, we advertise it. He sometimes advertises it. Fits great on the back of your toilet, right? As you're sitting there taking care of business in the morning, flip open uh, to that day, take a quick read, and oh, that's kind of neat, and throw it back there, and we'll see you the next day, right? So it's it's kind of a page or two per day on uh, on one story from that day in history. So that's pretty fun as well. So that came out. Uh, Mike's been a longtime friend of the show. An autographed copy in the mail right now towards the TCA studio to go up on our shelf of some of our other author guests. And uh, yeah, it's uh, well worth a look too, man. Well, and it's it's funny because, and I've, I've told this story before, but lived in a place with a couple of other guys and there was a pile of hijinks, but we kept the, it was, I believe the 95 media guide, <laughs> NHL media guide was on, was on the back of the toilet. And so, yeah, whenever you go in there and you'd, you'd read it until your feet went numb and then you'd, pitch it back up huh, uh, but kevin stevens hey eh? what a good year he yeah, had last uh, year <laughs> honestly and it, it was it was just tattered and torn and you're like and, and i've become a bit of a germaphobe right i, I think as i've moved well, along i think we in all life, have the last little while <laughs> no but even pre-pandemic and probably worse now right but yeah. i'm not sure if i'm reading anything that somebody else is taking a smash and reading i well what i can tell you and in theory it's only your own toilet but uh Amazon Kindle. You can have it right there on your phone. Pull that open while you're sitting there in the morning. So just doing... the thing. That's not the thing I'm reading in the toilet on my phone. Yeah, okay, fair enough. But just doing business here for our buddy Mike Comito, right? So uh, make sure you check that out. Uh, the Blue Jays, man, fall short in uh, fairly heartbreaking fashion. Um, they push it right to the end. Uh, they win their game like they're supposed to. The Yankees end up winning in the bottom of the ninth. That game is scoreless all the way through uh, before the Yankees break through. And at one point, the Washington Nationals are up 5-2 on the Red Sox. And you need one of these teams to lose. And it looks like the Red Sox might. They come back. They tie it up. And then they go ahead 7-5. Raphael Devers uh, hits a two-run bomb in the top of the ninth. And the Nationals do nothing. Just go impotently into the night there in the bottom of the ninth. And so that's it for your Blue Jays season. They push it to 162, but no further. Uh, what'd you think of the weekend? What'd you think of the day? What'd you think of how this all comes to an end? Stretched out, like, unbelievably. Like, I was just... But it, it's a, you know, the it's situation a long, and the day. Like Yeah. <laughs> well, and you know it's a long day and shit's getting crazy when the game from Yankee Stadium is the first Seriously, done. yeah. And that is traditionally the Yankees. Any game the Yankees are in, a half an hour longer than, well, than anything last, else. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I, I know I asked you a question, but I'll tell you the last year or two, it's felt more and more like that's Boston. And like it's the Red Sox that seem to take, even when it's just the Jays on a random August night or whatever, versus a random night against the Yankees. I don't know. It feels like Boston takes longer than New York these days. And that's certainly played out this time. Well, and so watching the Jays today, and as soon as it went 9-1 yeah. on, the Springer, on the Springer Slam, yeah. It was done. Yes. Like whatever was going to happen, you knew that that the Orioles weren't going to put up another, you know, a 10 spot. <laughs> so, but it just became as, and, and you're watching. And so I have both Sportsnet 1 and 360. So I'm flipping around because the Yankees were on Sportsnet 1 and the Red Sox were on 360. Yeah. And so, but it's it's the Yankee it's the Yankee crew on on Sportsnet One, and it's the yes, Red Sox no. crew. <sighs> and you're like, oh my god, they're brutal. And 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 I get it, Tabby and 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 our man Dan, 
um, good, and they're Jays. Excuse me, is Tabby way less annoying when he's with Dan than he is with with Buck? I have really enjoyed that Pat Tabler, Dan Schulman duo. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, I don't know. Tabby is becoming more and more like the like the uncle you see at Thanksgiving, and you're like, oh, Tabby, you know, whatever. Try not to get cornered. This is it, and and whatever he says, sometimes you're like, no, man, they've been brutal. It's like he's like, well, they've been outstanding killers with runners and scorers, and I'm like, damn, bam. Tabby. Not recently. Spent, yeah. yeah, well, and they've spent large chunks of the season not great with runners and scoring, but I'll let you have that. Sure. Whatever. It fits today's narrative. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, uh, to me, anything with Dan on it, put, put whatever else in there. Because Dan Shulman, to me, and it's not just because he's been on this show a couple of times, <laughs> he is gold, yeah. right? Like to me, I think he is, he's the best. And the fact that he's a Toronto guy and we have him, he's come back home. Yeah, to have that guy call a game like this for you, you're like, oh my God, like it feels, and it it would have anyway, because it's elimination, but you're like, that guy gives it that extra bit of credence or credibility or something where you're just like, this feels huge. Oh, it feels huge. That's what she never says. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, no, it's true. But it just felt like the longer the day went and... There was a point where the where the Rays had, I think it was a Rosarena was on third and there was less than two outs and you're like, and they couldn't push that across. Yeah. And and I love it. You know, the, the Rays and Cash did their bit. They they ran out a, a playoff lineup. Yep. They ran their, their closer Brought out there their in the night. In, yep. But, I, you know, I'm not even a, you know, minor league GM, like manager, but I don't know why you don't, put judge on on first base I, and i know yeah, we're i know we're him. splitting hairs <laughs> okay yeah put them right I'm up put them on hard it. that's how I'm yeah well because you're gonna have to play those guys likely i yep. or maybe but yeah just a lot of what ifs and all but it felt like it was sliding away right at the same time the the the, the nationals the very flaccid nationals you had a bunch count of on oppor- a Montreal Expos team to carry your dreams, right? right. That, they had a bunch of opportunities to break that open and just didn't. Yeah, just it it started to slide, and I started to get more and more bitter <laughs> the, the further along the afternoon went. Right, and so yeah, I think they're gonna they're gonna rue the day, and it's not the the race start against the Yankees where they you know they gave up five homers. It's that split against the Twins, right? I think that's where you you just wish wow. you could have done more. Shit, fine. It's 162 games. Oh, if you beat Baltimore on the first that Friday night in the first weekend of June, or grab a game against Kansas City somewhere a lot. Like it's the most recent one. It stands to reason that yeah, you'd like to have done better there. But I mean. You could have picked up a win. Anyway, imagine if you'd have decided I should build a bullpen somewhere along in May or June or July instead of yep. waiting until August yep. to get it done. Um, let me ask you this: in in terms of kind of a let's be bitter, let's navel gaze a little, let's let's complain a little bit. But just in theory, they brought it up on the broadcast today. Do you think you find that one extra win, or maybe two or three? Like who knows? Do you believe? if they're playing at home instead of playing in Dunedin and then in Buffalo, like it's entirely made up. I don't expect you to have a date and a situation where, oh, if that game was at the Dome, that's for sure a win. But just, do you think the team is one game better if they get to play the whole season at the Dome? 
I think you look at they were a game under 500 in Dunedin. Yeah. They were a game over in Buffalo, yeah. over 500, and they were 25 and 11 at the yes. Dome. <laughs> so I think there's your answer, Matt. Uh, I, you know, I'm sure you would have maybe liked a longer answer, but but the answer uh, is yes. There's another win somewhere. Clearly, and and all I have to do is I I I, I put down 20 bones on the Jays 50 50 today. So nice. Which was I'm hoping, Alberta-esque, the way it was skyrocketing throughout the broadcast. Well, I, see, I bought it yesterday, or Saturday afternoon, I bought it, at, and it was 460000 Yeah. And I think the game closed, it was $1.5 million. Yep. Yeah, it was so, somewhere like seven fifty today, just in like the sixth inning, and then before the end, yeah, it jumped to like $1.4, $1.5, something like that. So I, I really, that's that's in terms of the J season. That's the last thing hanging is is <laughs> is my fifty fifty ticket. <laughs> um, I, it's it's funny because they needed the sweep. You you felt like they needed the sweep for anything to happen, right? And and it just felt like the whole thing was going to be too much. Dating back to late last week, right? Yep, it was yep. just it was going to be a longer shot. And so I had sort of reconciled with myself how this was gonna gonna shake out, and and at the end of the day, I, I think I'm I'm fairly content with with the season, right? C- considering three different home ballparks where most of the time you weren't even the home team. Yeah. Um, and, and I know the seasons some that douche from North Tonawanda chanting Yankees in your face in your own park. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know what, <laughs> Ottawa Senator fans, <laughs> okay, <laughs> don't really you know have any has sympathy for that. But you know, whatever. Some douchebag from Scarborough, or who actually may be from Stittsville, for all I know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wearing a Leaf jersey, yelling in your face, "Go Leafs, go!" So yeah, you know what, I, I, you know. Yep. I get it. Suck it up. Play through it. Um, yeah, I think that's incredibly hard. And and I think for most of us who are like, oh, well, you know what? They're they're playing in a stadium and they're doing whatever. That This is where they're playing. But how hard that would be to just carry some people carrying a family or not through, you know, your spring training home into, you know, whatever, a Motel 6 in Buffalo. I have no <laughs> idea where they're staying at, right? It's high brow um, for Buffalo, man. Yeah, no, sorry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a five star. Um, but yeah, I, I think the idea of once they got home and, and things just started to get juicy, uh, yeah, I, I firmly believe that this team is is probably one win better yeah. if they were playing the full season out of the Dome. Yeah, I, that'd be hard to disagree with, right? Like just based on the evidence at hand, like you said, 25 and 11 at the Dome and just hovering around 500 everywhere else. Um, you know, maybe that does make a difference and, and it gets you that one extra win that you need to move forward. I'll tell you for me, um, it was last night or Saturday night and the Jays get the win again and I'm watching the Nationals and Red Sox and, um, just the way that one came apart late as well. It was just like, all right, like this isn't, you've, you've pushed it like all the way for me. It was just like you just need that one day where you win and the Red Sox don't, and you just kept pushing it foot back and pushing it back and pushing it back. You're like, okay, like you're out of real estate. If it doesn't happen tomorrow, it's not going to happen. And and there was a point. I think was it not two one Nationals late? I think on the Saturday game. I, I yeah. could be wrong. Yeah. And if it, you know, if you didn't get it there, 
at that point, it just felt like, you know, maybe it'll happen tomorrow, but the optimist in me, and you know that's a very small part of me, uh, yeah. the optimist in me on Saturday just keeled over and went, whatever, we'll see yeah. what happens tomorrow. And so you're, you're right. I, I'm watching the beginning of the Sunday game, and they get the start they need, and they're knocking this guy around like nobody's business. And they go to pull him, uh, Zimmerman there. It, was, it wasn't even out of the first, I don't think, was it? Um, oh, you're, talking about the, you're talking about the Jays game. Yeah, on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, he was pulled, he was pulled in the first, and I'm like standing there looking at the screen. Leave him in, you cowards! Right? Like, yeah, to, yeah. <laughs> what do you what care? Do you, like, and what are you bringing in that's better? Right. Nothing. So, Nothing. yeah, for me, you know, Sunday you got there. It was to me a coin toss, right? You, you needed a loss, and and at that point, um, you just ran out of room. And this is the thing about a six month baseball season, 162 games. It did come down to the last day. But to me, you're right. Like I did tweet out at one point in that Minnesota series that you're referring to where they only took two out of four. Like if you'd have told me in April, this young team with this rotation that we had in April and the way that looked, the bullpen, everything, if you had told me they were going to contend right down to the last week and then fade away, I'd have told you that's a good season. I'll be happy with that. I'll be fine with that. But I'll be goddamned if we're going to drop the transmission in Minneapolis, Minnesota against these fuckers, right? Like, that's the way today felt, too. Like, this is fine. This is a really good season. These guys all showed progress. This is incredible. Big picture, great year. But, man, what a heartbreaking way when you do manage to get right to that last day to go, nah, you're out. You're still done. Like, it, it's that's a rough way to finish it up. It, it would have been easier had you been eliminated maybe Thursday or Friday or something, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I get it. And, and and they were they were going through, I think it's only the fourth time that they've played game 162 yes. and it and it mattered. Yep. Right. And so, you know, one of them was 87. Oof, heartbreaking. Don't need to look at that. That was Milwaukee, another, wasn't it? I think. Uh, Detroit. Detroit, yeah. Another then another year was 1990, and you're like, oof. Don't look at that either. That doesn't work out well for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just, yeah, it's a it's a real sort of wet fart into the season. <laughs> it's really, and you're like, hey, man, check this out. And you're like, whoop. Yeah. Hey, guys, pump watch the, this. Yeah. Please look away. <laughs> yeah, pump the brakes because everybody knows just what happened. And it's not their fault, so it's not exactly. But it's it, it does come to me. You just said it. Right, the the two out of two in a game, the twins scuffled so hard early, right? Yep. And and we talked about it here back in I don't know May June, saying I want some of that sweet twins action before they get their shit together because yeah, that was a team that was yes. playoff worthy. They can hit the ball. They started to get their shit together. They got healthy. Yeah, right around August, they turned it around pretty good. Yeah, and so it's it's it is what it is, but. Yeah, it, it's if you look at the seasons and it's so gaudy, all the numbers like across the board. I am it's it's almost video game like in some areas, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I don't know, right? Like we all look at Vladdy, for instance, right? Hitting three twelve, whatever he three thirteen, whatever he finished at forty eight homers, one hundred and ten RBIs. Now I don't know if he's going to hit fifty home runs ever, right? Right, but. I think a 300 hitter and a 100 RBI guy, wherever his homers end up, I think he's going to be 
something close to that. Like, I think he is a generational player. Sure. I, 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 I do believe that he is going to be a 30 plus 30 to 40 home run guy every year. I think you can check him down for a hundred, you know, and, and he is a, he's shown himself to be a, a discerning hitter. Mm-hmm. I think that's changed. And I, I hope he, I hope he's learned from his commitment to fitness that this is what he needs to do to be an all-star and to get paid, right? Like, yep, this is going to happen. But the numbers are gaudy when you look at 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 um, Simeon with his with his forty fifth home run, all time leading second baseman. Mm-hmm. It, you're talking one hundred and thirty plus years. Four guys with thirty home runs or whatever, one hundred RBIs, and like all of this stuff. The it, I'll. You know, you mentioned Carrero, and there was a tweet floating around today that said, good news, bad news kind of thing. As, as Vladdy hits his 48th home run, that becomes the most home runs ever hit by a 22-year-old. All time in Major League Baseball. Absolutely incredible. And so right. you look at the guys that he passed, and uh, DiMaggio is one of them. There's one or two other names. Not Eddie one of Matthews. Them, yeah, not one of them have ever hit that many again. So... It's not like Vlad is now destined to never hit 48 home runs again or anything, but it just means maybe next year he's a 46 home run guy and 108 RBIs, whatever. The problem becomes, and we've talked about it before with this Blue Jays team, you don't know that you're getting Robbie Ray back. You don't know that you're getting Marcus Simeon back. And you don't know if, like, are you now confident that T. Oscar is at least 115 RBI per year guy? Like, I expect he's going to be good, but will he be this good? Like, a lot of things all went right this year and it left you one win short of being in the mix and so when you come back next year you need all of that to go right again just to be this good just to be the fourth place team in a division with four 90 win teams yeah I, well, and I think it looks like as I said so so Marcus Simeon with his 45 homers his 100 plus RBIs it, it's gone right and maybe a gold glove Right, like to me, but if you look at Tay Oscar, that guy was a silver slugger last year. Shortened season, I get it, but he's going to be good. But will he be this good? Is my question, right? Like, will he, a lot of will he get you, years? Yeah, but I think if you look at, I think I think Bo can can be ninety percent of what he is. Bo just out there, man. First pitch on every at bat, just well. Swinging at it. Like, well, and and after Vladdy hit that tomahawk shot into, <laughs> into the right field stands, right, his next one up there, I, I swear, Bo left his shoes. Right, me too. Like, right? Like, like he's just like, I'll be damned if I get left behind. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, but but I think if you look at is Tay Oscar going to be a 115 guy? I don't know, but is he a 90 to 100? Book it. I think. Yeah, I, and I'm with you. But if all of those things take even just a 10% step back and you didn't make it this year, where are you next year? Yeah, I, I agree with you. You're at the Dome all season. Yep. But you are looking at where is a healthy Guriel going to be, mm-hmm. right? What's going to happen there? I, I look at the starting rotation that at a minimum is, is going to have Ryu, is going to have Berrios, is going to have Manoa, Manoa is going to have Pearson. If you can, if 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 you can throw Ray into that mix, hey man, you're not happy with that starting pitching, sure. But you we know, have hope, it this year, and it wasn't enough. 
Yeah, yeah. But again, we balance the fucking schedule. Enough of this. We spent the first half of the season. Oh, yeah. As as nomads, right? And so bring it home. Um, you look at the you look at the bullpen. We'll see what happens there. I'm not sure with Romano and and what's gonna happen with Merriweather, what's gonna happen with Mesa. Like we'll wait and we'll see what what they do. Bullpens are a roll of the dice. Like all of those guys who did really well for you this year may all be terrible next year and all the guys that sucked for you this year may be awesome next year. like the bullpen oh, no! i suck again yeah like the bullpens are always just completely unpredictable to me I, I don't bank much on there's always like one guy on each team where you're like that guy's money like whether it's your rivera or your whatever right yeah everything else it's just fucking voodoo Oh, and I'm I'm counting I'm counting on Danny Jansen to hit 330 next year. I was going to ask you, man. I have this in my notes. So, both uh, Danny Jansen, since he came off the IL, he's batting I think 330. That's uh, the number I just said. Yeah, and uh, Santiago Espinal since June also batting yeah. I think 309. I think he was well over 300. Yeah. Which one of those two is more likely? To get close, I don't think either one of us think they're going to be 300 hitters next year at full time. But which one of those two guys is more likely to get closest to that result? Uh, Santiago Espinal, big time. Really? Eh? I'm fascinated by that. Yeah, I, I see. I see Jansen as a 220 hitter, really. Because <laughs> um, Jansen hit all the way through the minors and then yeah. wasn't really able to find it. I wonder if there's something there to me because Espinal is just sort of been a guy right a minor league guy and you or a platoon guy kind of fills in coming along i think if you were to ask me which one of them comes closest to replicating i'd go jansen i think just because right. there's i don't think either one of them are going to but who might have a better shot at getting close i, I just think jansen coming up everyone expected him to hit more than he did uh or has so i'll take him but i think the espinal one's interesting he's happy well, to just kind of slap it around a bit right and as we yeah. all are from time to time. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but, and take your but, singles here and, and just do the little things, right? But to me, he is, if you look at, and, and again, you are right. Jansen coming up was the, was a complete package. Yeah. Every Everybody who pitched to him said he's he's got, he calls a great game. They're super comfortable with him. And he hit well. He hasn't hit well in his three plus seasons in nope, the majors. Santiago Espinal, whether it was last year or late in the previous year, the 2019 season, I can't remember. All he's done is every time he's he's around, he does interesting shit. And, and to me, he hasn't really been given a good full run nope. here, here in Toronto. And so to me, he's one of those guys who is, I think, is sneaky under the radar good. Mm-hmm. And, and he's sure-handed, right? He looks like... To me, when you talk about slapping the ball around, it's like a Tony Fernandez kind of a thing. Yes. Not a lot of power, no. but um, you are looking at that, especially in, in, nobody, nobody was a slap single, the opposite direction guy, better than Tony Fernandez. And so... Well, and it would solve I, a problem if you're right. Like, now all of a sudden that third base issue goes away, right? Because that was a th- rotating door all year. Um, and it doesn't look like Biggio has the arm strength to do it long term right. so it would solve a problem there if he was going to be that guy long term and i yeah. it, i assume they'll give him that chance in the spring yeah and then and then do you, then is that enough power out of that power position for you no, right like, and that's trust it to come from other places like to me power well we'll see when simeon leaves but 
like I would overlook it just because you have it coming from enough other places. Right. If you if you had an outfield of Teoscar, Guriel, Springer, sure. first base of Vladdy and 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 Bichette at at, at yeah, short, I wouldn't worry about it. You're probably not short. And and if you look at Biggio, maybe sliding to that second, unless they have something coming up in the hopper. But I I, I am optimistic about what's going to come mm-hmm. forward here. Right. And we're never going to this division. It's a tough ass division, yep. right? It is. Yeah, to have 91, 92, 92, and 105 wins or whatever are in this division. Yeah, we're never going to escape that. Well, the, and you just look around. It's so frustrating because the Braves get in, shit division. The White Sox get in, shit division. The Giants get in. That's not a shit division, but. Yeah, the Dodgers just phoned in and said, hey, fuck back. off. Yeah, no, but like you just look around and go, man, there's some real crap, right? And and to have four, like. You, we have seen, there was one other time, I think they said it was 78, where there were four 90-win teams in one division. But that was before you split into three, right? So yeah. that it, never before have 80% of one division finished with 90 wins. So, yeah, it's going to be tough. It's it's you know it's a hard way to go. But at the same time, you, you maybe do need to look around and go, I don't know, lots of people want to see the playoffs expanded. Like last year, I'm not one of those people, but I wouldn't mind seeing a more balanced schedule, right? And, and What does that look like for you? Well, just even games, right? Playing across the divisions. And I, I don't want to see, you know, the four teams in the AL East beating the shit out of each other while the White Sox get to just kick sand in the face of the Royals and, and the Twins <laughs> and whatever for 162 games. Fuck you, right? Like... Sal Perez is getting up and flexing right now. I know. Now. Yeah, like, he yeah. should, man. Look at that guy. Yeah, he's like, taste this, Matt. <laughs> Kicking um, sand in my face. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I, I, okay, that, that I, I get what you're saying. Uh, I, I also don't want to go out to the left coast a bunch of times either, though. Yeah. Well, maybe you have to, right? Like, did you see that was one of the All possibilities right, in the three-way tie? Toronto would have had to go to Seattle on Monday, and then if they won, come home to host on Tuesday and then off to Tampa Wednesday. That is a rough couple of days. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and and we would have gladly done it. Of course. Right, but um, yeah, no, the, the three-way tie was going to be grim. Well, and the four-way was like this kind of semi-final setup that for some reason in the three-way tie, we were going to Seattle, but in the four-way tie, we were hosting Seattle. Like, just a lot of really weird shit going on. So, uh, yeah, unfortunately, when it comes down because. Out. Right, because we had the losing record to the Red Sox yep. and the Mariners, but not to the Yankees. Yes. Right. So it it sort of it shook loose and and I was watching the games today and I don't know about you where your rooting interest was when it looked like maybe both teams were gonna lose. Yeah. I so I so wanted to play the Yankees. I'm like, man, I, I want to stick to those guys because we would host that. Yep. Well, and uh I believe it was Arden's Welling, but a few different places were posting you know, how this will shake loose if this and this and this happens. And it looked like in both scenarios where New York had the choice, they had chosen not to play Toronto. Like they didn't want to do that again. So that's interesting as well. Because this morning was when everyone made their choices. If your team B, your options would be this and this. And based on how highly you ranked, you know, there was options where you only get one game, but you're the home team or you would play two games but you would be the road team in both so there was some interesting choices to be made but in every opportunity where new york had the chance to avoid toronto they did so because well, if you look at it, it and i may not be that you, bad of an idea like <laughs> barrios has been as good well, as anybody well, and, the last month in that lineup i don't want to play well, that either 
But again, yeah. It, it, so it would have been Barrios, it, but if if it was just a straight up wild card, it was it was Ray going to do it. And, and so if it comes down to that, yeah. Did you want to take your chances again on that? I don't think so because they are as streaky as streaky gets. Yep. Right. And so I'm really just hoping. Uh, man, I hate to say it, but I, I'm I'm hoping the I'm hoping the Rays sweep out the trash yeah. that are the Red Sox and the Yankees. Well, and this is it. I've said for a while, and and for as long back as I can remember. I know everybody hates the evil empire, hates the Yankees. I hate the Red Sox way more than the Yankees. For as long as I can remember, I just there's something about, you know, Boston in general. I off, I also don't love the Bruins for some pretty obvious reasons. Um, but I, I've always hated the Red Sox more than the Yankees. So uh, they're going to play each other in that wild card game, and then you're going to be cannon fodder for Tampa, I guess. So see, and I'm the opposite. I'm the opposite. I I I just. Yeah, I, I hate the Yankees. It's always. <laughs> but what are you going to do, man? Yeah. What are you going to do? Uh, anything else on the, the baseball front? I think we both agree from a big picture standpoint, huge step forward season, uh, really competitive. Everything looks to be headed in the right direction. It's just when you kind of zero into that one day uh, elimination, it, it, it kind of blows. The only thing that I have to finish this with, and it's really more of a tidbit matt a tidbit for you All right i was super interested and, and and more than mildly surprised on on the saturday when they broke the franchise record for home runs in a season it was almost that sort of you know home alone moment when macaulay culkin is shaving and he puts the shaving cream on and he slaps his cheeks <laughs> like that was my face almost when they said that the record they broke was the 2010 Blue Jays. Yeah, I remember seeing that too. That was weird, man. Okay. Because well, they were tied. There was two teams, I think, 2010 and maybe 2000. I think there was two teams tied for that mark. Uh, uh, the, the record they broke, I'm pretty sure they said, was the 2010 okay. Jays. Okay, all right. Um, so that'd be Bautista's first year where he belts out 50, I believe, in that year. 54. Okay. And so it, it is, I had to then go and look at that, at that team. Cause I'm like, what? That makes zero sense to me. How many John so, McDonald have that year? He contributed his three uh, or four. <laughs> three. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Johnny Mack. Yeah. Um, there were seven guys with 20 or more home runs on that team. Aaron Hill. Aaron Hill. Troy Gloss. Nope. Okay. See, um, anyways. No, just it, is Troy Gloss on the team? I I can't remember. Scott Rowland, because those two both rolled in similar times, one in, one out. I don't, I don't believe so. I'm, I'm going to throw some names at you here okay, and you can right. tell me. what. They, okay. So there was Edwin Encarnacion. Okay, E3 maybe still at that, yeah. or E5, I guess, was what they called him. <laughs> yeah, he's on that team. Batista is on that team. Yeah. You have a Vernon Wells on that nice, team. Nice, okay. You have a mild overbay. Nice. Captain Double. Adam Lind. Yeah, okay. All right. So anyways. So all kinds of 20 home run guys and only one over 30 home run guy. No, Vernon Wells had 33, I (laughs) believe. All right. But And Alex Gonzalez, I'm not sure if he got traded in that season, but he only played 85 games and he had 17 Which Alex Gonzalez? No, there was two Alex Gonzalez. One way earlier in the decade, we had a very good defensive Alex Gonzalez. Right, at, at shortstop. Yes. That's your Sean Green. Yes. Del, Delgado Alex Gonzalez in the milk commercial. That's right. 
there was another Alex Gonzalez who I think was not a very nice guy. But anyways, that to me, it was, I was surprised that that team pretty generic. How about it? Can I give you a, a guy who played 112 games and I can tell you at this moment, I've never heard of this guy, <laughs> or at least I have no recollection of him. Hit can me. I give, can I give you a generic Fred Lewis? Played 112 games. Had five triples. That's what made me. That's what made it stand out. I'm I've like, never heard what? of Fred Lewis in my life. Sounds like my grade uh, six music teacher. Or something <laughs> there, you, like. there you go, man. Did he touch you, that guy? Yeah, no, but he was kind of cute. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Whatever. I had to had to lead him on a little bit. Make sure I had a good grade before I let him get yeah, all the way. <laughs> all right. Sorry. I, that just got strange there. Sorry. But anyway, that was the thing where I thought, man, I got to go back and take a look at that. Right. So, anyways, yeah. Early in the in the incarnation, my psychiatrist said about Fred Lewis. <laughs> yes. And, yes. Sorry about that again. We, man, we need moving. to go back and take a look at that. <laughs> yeah. Moving along. Moving along. So that is the 2021 regular season in a nutshell. And we'll, you know, we'll have lots of time to get into this. We fired this up as soon as this ended. So, you know, whether there's anything of interest in these post game pressers or shit like that, we'll we'll touch on it as we go. Um, but. It's where it ends. Game 162. Give it a hell of a run. And, uh, you know, we'll see where that uh, where that leads. Uh, lots of stuff on the hockey side, man. Why don't we start with Robin Leonard, who you sent me an article, and uh, I didn't read it, um, because <laughs> I had followed his tweet storm on Saturday night. Okay, all right. And that's where most of this stemmed from. And he went off, and it sort of started, uh, and he hasn't been afraid to be very... Um, you know, open and critical and whatever of the league, of different teams, of whatever he thinks, if he thinks, typically, if he thinks it is impacting mental health. And he's been a very outspoken kind of advocate about his own battle and what other people might be going through. This seemed to take off from the Jack Eichel situation. Uh, and Jack Eichel, still property of the Buffalo Sabres. They want him to have a disc fusion surgery. He doesn't want to do that. He wants to have a disc replacement surgery. And they don't want him to do that. And so they're at a stalemate. And the CBA, in theory, allows the team to determine how you will treat your body so that you can come back and play. And he has, um, you know, said, fuck that. Uh, I will decide. Because um, basically, Buffalo doesn't care in five years how Jack Eichel's body is. They want to know how it's going to be through the end of his contract. And then he's probably going to have to live with that for hopefully another 50 years or so after his playing career is over. Yeah. So they're at loggerheads, right? They don't know what to do. They This is still a thing um, where their captain and their best player, and well, no longer their captain, uh, isn't in camp. He wants to be traded. He wants to have his surgery, and they're not allowing it. And so Robin Leonard, that's where this sort of takes off from, is that it's not right the way they are treating Jack Eichel. And he has some history with the Buffalo Sabres. But he kind of goes off on this storm about there's some stuff that he doesn't really go in depth on about the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, he talks about teams and he goes out of his way to say it isn't Vegas, uh, where he currently plays, that are handing out prescription drugs that are kind of like, I forget the name of the specific drug. I don't know if you have it in front of you. It maybe isn't important, but it kind of slows down your mind because in theory it's supposed to you know, relieve anxiety and uh, relieve insomnia and things like that. But it's supposed to be prescribed by, you know, a, a mental health professional, right? Not mm -hmm. a hockey trainer. 
and he kind of goes off, right, on all these things that the league is doing and that they talk, but they don't act. Um, it's very hypocritical. And it creates this storm, and all of a sudden, everybody's looking, and Elliot Friedman reported on Sunday morning that the league has reached out to him, because he, he kind of ends his tweet storm with, until things change, there will be a new story every day, um, <laughs> which is mm, intriguing. If nothing else, it made me follow Robin Leonard, which I hadn't before on Twitter. Uh, Elliot Friedman reports on Sunday morning that the league has reached out to him and said, you know, would you like to be interviewed? Do you have some things you'd like to talk about with us or or whatever, maybe instead of on Twitter? And that's sort of where we are now. Like I said, I didn't see the specific story that you sent. Maybe it's uh, elaborated or it's sort of similar, but man, this is, Robin Leonard's one of those guys who doesn't seem to give a fuck, right? He's just going to keep throwing it out there and and hope that he can make some sort of difference. Well, and, and, and as you said, yeah, he's taken, he's had no issue taking shots at the league over their failure to, uh, you know, stick with what they said was the loosening of um, COVID. COVID restrictions right. last last season, um, and 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 that how was it yeah. If you recall, yeah, it, it, the league told everybody eighty five percent vaccinated, your team will get this and this and this exemption. And I guess he said last year once his team got to eighty five percent, nothing really changed. Was his point there. Yeah, because they said, well, you know what, you're moving around and other teams haven't done it, so we're going to... Yep. So he was taking shots at, at the league. Uh, the article I sent over was exactly, it was it was his tweets, sort of, and then some commentary from, from the author, from the writer in between. Uh, but he was really taking aim at this point at the NHLPA. Right. Saying that the PA wasn't doing their job to to represent and protect the athlete and their rights and so um when the the headline grabbed me and i thought and i got a lot of time for robin leonard right as a as a a senator's draft pick they won a calder cup with him in in binghamton and he came up and you know there was lots of good things with him and he's a a great feel-good story but I, i looked at that and went ah now you're taking shots at the NHLPA. Like, who are you not taking shots at, <laughs> right? And 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 so at some point you're like, Robin, you got to get your shit tight, and and you got to stay healthy, and you got to start winning. You got to start focusing on yourself. But I listened to the clip that was in the article of him on the um, he was on the Spit and Chicklets podcast. Yep. And um, so he was sort of that's where he was going off, and, and he's saying, yeah, you know what, it's. It's it's our bodies and and we should have some say in it. Yeah, you're paying us good money and and we're under contract. He said, but I've got proof of of the of the Sabres fucking up my ankle. Like I got all kinds of it, right? That that they did things that were not in my best interest. And so Funny, it's the same team. <laughs> yeah, no, no, exactly. And and he's saying, yeah, I get it. And I'm not, I'm not out and out solely running, taking a run at the Sabres. He said, because I was a shit show there. They were a shit show. He said, there was a bunch of shit shows. And this is what he's saying. So (laughs) I got a lot of time for him. I like the guy. I think he's, I think he's looking at, at what's best for the athletes. And, and really at the end of the day, yeah, you're paying them good money, but it is their long-term health. I I completely agree with you and with Robin and, and, but this is the problem. And just for context, for listeners who may not totally understand, this was collectively bargained, right? So yep. what happens is your union in a negotiation and you're talking about the salary cap and you're talking about, you know, long-term health and you're talking about all these things, 
the union gave the authority to the teams to determine what doctor will prescribe what treatment for your injuries while you're on payroll there. And that's where this all stems from. So that's what he would be talking about with the Sabres in terms of how they treated his ankle. And now it's Jack Eichel and his neck. And in theory, every one of us would go, fuck you. The guy gets to decide which surgery from which doctor he wants to do. But legally, no, he doesn't. His union has signed up to allow him to have it dictated to him by his team. This is what we think will be best for you. And I don't think many people disagree that short term, the surgery that the Sabres want Jack Eichel to go through is the better one. But it does that accounts for getting him back on the ice and playing for the Sabres or whoever they're going to trade him to as soon as possible. It doesn't account for shit for what he feels like at 40 or at 50 or at 60 um, yeah. as his career's winding down. And most people, I guess, from what I've read, believe when you do the disc fusion surgery that the Sabres want Jack Eichel to go through, you're doing it again every 10 years. Whereas the disc replacement surgery that Eichel wants to go through, you know, is a newer thing. It's got less track record, um, less sample size, all these sorts of things. Once it's done, it's done. And while it is a little more risky to the team who only sees him as an asset under this big expensive contract, they don't feel quite as comfortable with it. For him, if it works, you know, he eventually gets back to playing hockey, but then he's comfortable when he has kids and he ages and all these sorts of things. And so it's sort of this fuck you, whereas a human being, you want control, but your union has negotiated that control away from you. And that's why Eichel is at this standoff with the Sabres. And that's why I think probably Robin Leonard, you know, with a million different things on his mind that the PA has let him down on, but this is be an easy one to go. I can't believe you gave that up. Like, and, and so for case by case right now, you're kind of screwed. You kind of, it is what it is, but I'm sure he's thinking like moving forward, you need to have our back way better than that. Right. And, and and the thing is, that's exactly that's why you turn your you turn the cannon on the on the PA, yeah. Because you're like, yeah, you got to do better for us. Because yeah, everything you read is, yeah, we got five more years at ten million bucks. This is our this is our asset. But yeah, we don't give a shit if he can't pick up his kid. Right. At forty when, years old, when cool. he can't move around the way he wants anymore, it doesn't right. matter the Sabers. And so the concern about the about the disc replacement is. It's it's there's never been a hockey player, I believe, that's, that's right. had it done. But there have been multiple MMA yep. fighters, there have been football players. Yep. Like to me, in in collision full contact sports that have been successful in, in returning to to play. Right. So there there is track record for it, just not in hockey. Right. And so at the end of the day, yeah, you have to have it's it's like it's not it's not where you used to sign up for the Navy and then your human rights were suspended once you, once you got on ship <laughs> and, and then you got them back when you hit shore again, right? Those things have changed. And yeah, I, I think at the end of the day, the athlete has to have a say in what's best for him. And you got to know that Leonard's taking a, when he's talking about the flyers, unless there's something else, it's got to be the Lindros thing, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah, because it's true. He doesn't mention like their current. He doesn't mention Elaine Vigneault. He doesn't mention the current management, but he just, you know, that must be what he's referring to. I hadn't actually, to be honest with you, thought back that far. It just seemed like he was kind of out there spraying his shots around it. Anyone who might <laughs> be shot. standing in the way, right? Um, what did you think of the idea? And look, I, I don't know. I think he probably would agree to take the meeting with the NHL. 
Um, you know, if he has legitimate concerns and, and complaints, then why wouldn't you? But at the same time, this idea of uh, I'm going to keep talking till you fix stuff, nothing's going to be fixed until at least the next CBA and maybe not even then. This kind of idea that I'll be out here tweeting every night, that can't possibly continue. Well, I, hey, how many more how many more bombs do you got? Like what what else do you have? Well, even if they're not your own, I'm sure you've heard enough stories and know enough other people's that but, yeah. but at some point even the team's going to shut you down and go, "Man, enough. Like you this is a killer distraction, right? Wouldn't you think?" Yeah. Well, but this is a guy, to me he is he is very unafraid. And so to me or intimidated. Like to me this is a guy who who would be willing to meet with with whoever. Yep. Right? And so um yeah, I, I think you take it. For sure you take it. I, I'm not sure what you're gonna get out of it if that's where you're going, right? I, I'm no, not sure nothing. What- like the league's gonna want the league's gonna do anything to make you shut up. They're not actually interested in solving your problems. Right. And, and again, as you said, collectively bargained. Yeah. And so they've pushed that CBA down the road. And so uh that's not getting opened anytime soon. No. Right. But you will look at at pressure on the PA to be looking at, and, and this is to be on the agenda, these sorts of things as this crops oh, up more know. and more. Because, well, in the, the days of, of of Jack Adams running your team where, <laughs> or Eddie Shore or whatever, where, you know, it's, it's, those are gone, man. The athletes have more and more power. And, and if you look at, everybody looks at the NBA and, and how they're run and how they're, commissioner runs things and how the the athletes have so much say right this is not going back the other way no no if you think you can put that genie back in the bottle it's not happening so the players doesn't matter how well you compensate them right it doesn't give you their future as well what do you make of and and this is going to be a little bit uncomfortable but that's what we should do here because it did come up online um, with the history of mental health that Robin Leonard has, there were a lot of people in the replies, a lot of people in the quote tweets saying, this feels like a guy who has previously admitted that he's bipolar, he has never shied away from that, who's manic right now. And he's just sort of lashing out, and whether the stuff is true or not, it doesn't seem to be of particular relevance to this side of the conversation, um, or at least to the people making it, but that just, he's in the middle of one of his spells, or he's manic right now, and so he's just sort of going off half cocked. Um, is there any time for that at all? Like, is it just the man seems to be fairly like because he's never shied away from his own shit, right? Like, that's the the yep. part where you go, no. Every time this comes up, he steps up and goes, no. I, like you said, I was a mess in Buffalo, or um, you know, I needed to get this and this sorted out. This is how what I deal with every day. It doesn't seem likely to me that one night in September in the middle of the preseason, he just decided, um, or didn't decide, but just foregoed all the, like passed on all the progress he'd made. Like he's outspoken, but he's never done this before. And it seems unlikely to me that it's because he's manic. It, to me, it seems aimed, but do we have to allow for the possibility that, you know, he'd wake up in the morning wishing he hadn't done that or... Like, how do you read this thing? Is it okay to wonder, oof, what was that all about? Yeah. Um, but I, I think because it has gone on, right? There was the appearance on the Spit and Chicklets podcast. There was the tweets. But this isn't just a, I'm in a, I'm in a bad spot. 
and I'm lashing out. And I'm lashing out right now, right? Yeah. Uh, to me, when I listened to him, and, and, and to me, I changed my tone or my feelings on him when I listened to him. Right. He's, he's still angry, but to me, he's, he's got a read on it. Yep. Right. And so um, I don't agree with everything he says. Sure. But to me, yeah, the fact that there'd be a Twitter reply where people would say, yeah, you're yeah. trying to discredit him by saying, ah, oh, this is just what he does or whatever because right. of his mental illness. You're like, uh, you might want to yeah, dig yeah. a little deeper, right? Like, Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I agree. And it's one of those things where if you were to have a conversation as we were and you could judge tone and you could yes. judge a bunch of other things and you say, yeah, is it a possibility that, that he, he is manic? Mm-hmm. Totally. It's a possibility. You can't discount it. Sure. Um. I just, when I start to add all those other things together. Yeah, the I've track record is there. And and the listening to them and the, yeah. and the space in between the statement and the tweets. I don't see it as a, as a, as a, as a moment of, of sort of, um, yeah, manic. Right. Uh, so that's interesting. I agree with you. I think there's enough history there where he has spoken out publicly and whatever when you do it on twitter on a saturday night i get why there are some assholes that just want to jump to conclusions or write off his opinion um but i think there's enough breadcrumbs there to go no he's been saying this for a while and it seems like now with the eichel thing and everything he's just sort of tired of waiting on uh any real change why don't we move to vancouver as they have managed to get their two big rfas signed uh petterson and hughes uh, I believe arrived in Vancouver today, um, but if not, at least have the contract signed. They're obviously going to be in the lineup now on opening night. Uh, they go longer, but not maxed out long on Quinn Hughes at, I believe... Six times 7.75. Damn, it's very... Di- I thought that was uh, Pedersen, who was three times 7.75. Pedersen was three times 7.25. Well, I stand two, corrected, folks. The, the, the two, the two of them combined to be over fifteen million, and they were, they were just <laughs> That's shut. basically all they had. If that was with LTIR, right? And, yeah, it was. It was actually they had just shy of fourteen. Yeah. So they're over, and now they're counting on. Hey, hey, Michael Furland, Hamannick may not yeah, play. Well, but, yeah, we'll see. But Hamannick is. They're saying that he's he's. He may give her a go. He, well, they're saying he's not, he's going to attend okay. or he's not going to attend. They're not suspending him. They're standing behind him. So that is a wait and see moment, yeah. right? <laughs> if they, if they trade him, yeah, that, that was what I heard last week yep. was that they were looking to trade that $3 million, right? That they just signed him for this summer, Yeah, which to me, it seems like a weird thing when already in the middle of the summer, we knew where the league was going vaccine wise. Yes. And again, I don't know all the details on on, on Travis Hammond because he's they're saying it's a family health issue. This is odd, eh? Because he demand requested, demanded whatever a trade out of the island to Western Canada a few years ago to be closer because of family situation, and then he opted out of the bubble because of that family situation and not wanting right. to risk putting some. And so you're sort of, okay, there's something going on. We don't know all the details. We don't need to know all the details. But now when you have been anxious to be close to this and protect this person or whatever is going on in your life, you have chosen not to be vaccinated. There's a lot of strange logic that goes into this that 
you know, maybe there is an explanation there that we don't understand. Right. Uh, maybe you've just got my crazy brother-in-law syndrome where logic is irrelevant at this point. Uh, there's a lot of possibilities out there, but he may be the guy heading out the door, whether it be opting out of the season or traded or, you know, you obviously say you're going to stand behind him to protect the asset for a little longer. And, and he has said he's not opting out. I think that okay. was the other kicker. Okay. And I read that just this morning. Okay. So back to Hughes and Pedersen because- Wait, it, wait, wait, wait. And for the record, Hamannick from Manitoba, not Alberta. Yep. Just for what it's worth, I'm just going to put that out there. Fair enough. Um, so this whole thing has been dictated by, and we're not going to relitigate the whole thing again, but Vancouver massacring their salary cap situation. And this summer, they changed the nature of that massacring, but it's still awful. And so they don't have room for both of these guys long term. And so rather than getting the eight, years or even seven years out of Hughes, they have to settle for six because when you go to seven or eight, that number goes up buying UFA years. Yep. And Pedersen at three years, his number certainly is going to go up uh, anytime you go to four or five. So he's at three years, which consequently takes him one year shy of UFA. And you will almost never see a team give a guy coming off his rookie deal a four-year thing because it walks him right to UFA, but you might as well have here. Pedersen is going to hold the hammer a year away from UFA because he can just take his qualifying offer at somewhere over $8 million and then be a UFA a year later. This was a mess going into it, but they did get it done. Both guys are in camp in time for the start of the season uh, and for the foreseeable future, but what do you make of this? Yeah, well, I think we talked about it last week, right? Where we we, I certainly suggested that they'd go three year on both of them, right? But um, it, it it seems like they've been able to finagle Hughes in well, for and six. Yeah, we talked the Darlene deal at six uh, at six million dollars for him. You know, Hughes went. Okay, I'm significantly more than that. How long do you want me? That's what's going to cost you, right? And uh, He's been yeah. an interest, Makar, you know, he sees himself in that grouping. And so, it's gonna, yeah, you were going to have a hard time talking him into getting much lower. Right. And so I, I think the number is, and it's, it's funny, uh, reading something this morning, you forget that they were back-to-back Calders. Yeah. I, I, I sort of had, had forgot that. And, and Hughes, for all the, all the press he gets on his, on his bad season last year, Still projected out to be a sixty-point guy. Yeah, in a full bad se- is pretty relative. Season. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now, bad where you get that where you get the, the the knock is on the defensive side of the game. Yes, right. And if you don't have a Tanev or whoever else to help you out, which he did not last year, mm-hmm. you become exposed. And and I'm not sure you can generate enough power play points to make up for your defensive liability. Sure, if you're giving it up as fast as you're scoring them. Well, and sometimes faster. Right. Thus, the Canucks finishing in last in the Canadian in the Northern division. Right. And so um, I think the deal is, is a good deal. They're going to have to, it it buys them a little time to try and figure out exactly what's going to happen. But as you've said, this is, this is going rate on these deals. And I don't think they're exorbitant overpays. Would you agree or disagree? I think I'm okay with the Hughes one. Again, all of this under the guise that 
this is all they could do, right? This they they fucked up long before these deals. Um, and this is where, you know, not to make it a leaf thing, but if you're going to miss and you're going to overpay, overpay on your stars, don't get bogged down on the bullshit underneath that. So as you come back out, I'm fine with this for Hughes. I'm fine with this for Pedersen. Uh, these numbers, oh, oh, but sorry, I, and that's where I was talking about. These yeah, two players. No, I understand. And so okay. you can't, but you couldn't go longer. You couldn't lock up your future because previously you fucked up lower in your lineup. And yep. so with that in mind, I think I'm good with uh, the Hughes deal. That was the best you could do. And you have it for six years. It's not bad, right? Like you have that. Yeah. Pedersen, that's a lot of money for three years when he's going to get, I think the number was 8.4 minimum, 8.5 minimum uh, the year after on just his qualifying offer. And then that would walk him right to UFA. You haven't bought any security there. You haven't bought any UFA years. And again, you couldn't afford to. So that's where this is a little condemning. I would be concerned about Pedersen because that will also be the year if you believe the experts and all of this is kind of based on projection that the cap starts to go up again. So guys want to start getting paid more again, right? Like by then he might be a $10 million guy uh, and maybe you could have got him for nine this year for eight years if you had the room to do that. Uh, Something like that. And that's the part I think I can live with Hughes. Pedersen scares me. Right. Well, and if you if you and I, two fat heads on a podcast, yep, can 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 say that you got to know Benning and you uh, got to know, know that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the hair dye. Benning, Benning could be learning a thing or two over here. I think. Yeah, I, I think it comes down to yeah, they all understand that, and and to me, what made sense for me on the Vancouver side for Pedersen in terms of a bridge was the health issues. Right. Th- this is a guy who has shown an inability to to stay healthy. Yep. Um, but when healthy, he's almost a point of game guy. Yeah. Like, yeah. and as a dynamic center, this is the going rate for for that kind of guy. So uh, they're right up against it, right? In terms of you look at the comparables, you're going to have to pay that guy that money. So yes. if you if you Bitch can't go, my money. Exactly. <laughs> so to me. I get it, but this really Benning's either going to be gone in three years. Hey, I believe that probably is to be true. Yeah. So if you look at at that's the case, he doesn't really care. And if not, you have a couple of years then to try and figure out ways to fix your leaky boat on the bottom half of your lineup. Did we talk last week? Uh, it's a little old, but I thought it was hilarious, and I've seen the video pop up a couple about the. Uh, the fitness testing, the suicides out at Canucks camp. Uh, we did not talk about it. So, um, Oli Ulevi is one of the guys and they're doing yep. the, the, what are they the Suicides, the yep. whatever out to the blue line back out to the red line back. Out to the, and at the end of the drill, Oli Ulevi is one of the guys he's just laid out on the ground, like gasping for air. Uh, new guy, Connor Garland throws up over the, uh, over the, and the worst, the slowest, and there's video everywhere, <laughs> the slowest guy, the last guy back every time, Oliver ekman Larson, your new $8 million long-term uh, albatross is what I'm going to call it. And he is, uh, you know, you almost got time for the athlete who gives it every single thing they got, bus heart, and then hurls. You're like, fine, man. You gave it your all. 
would rather you hadn't hurled, but at least I know you were busted. OELs out there just, ah, fuck this. <laughs> so those are some of the scenes coming out of the early fitness testing at Canucks training camp. The, and uh, they did interview Travis Green because uh, obviously the media had been in there. So head coach Travis Green is interviewed afterwards and, just, you know, What'd you think of some of the results there? And specifically, they showed him the picture of Ole Ulevi laid out, and he goes, well, he probably didn't do himself any favors. So <laughs> that's what the yeah. coach thought. But. First, first of all, the Garland vomiting. Yeah. We call that the Amy Burke. Yeah. That's what that's what happens here. <laughs> and, and I got a lot of time. I got a lot of time for an athlete who is going to lay it out. Max out. Yep. Max out. And that's what I want to see, right? You have more, right? And so... Um, when you've, when you've pushed it till you vomit now, unless you've got a, you know, a double covered and smothered from Denny's in there and that's, what's making you do it. Like your coach might, <laughs> this is it. And this is it. And so but you don't want to uh, see your 22 year old recent first round pick laying yeah. on the ground. Okay. And this is where, I, this, is, this is where I was going with it. A bad look for a guy who was yet to make any kind of impact. Right. And, and you already have people saying, Hey man. If you're young, what's the one thing? If you don't have a lot of experience, what's the one thing you do have going for you? A stiff dick. That's it. Get get out there and get it going. Yep. Right? And so if you're like, you don't even have that, you don't have experience, and you don't have all-day legs, I, I'm not sure where you're at. And right. so that is – that's a bad sign for you, Levy, right? To me, this is this is a guy who – that's a blue line that's calling out for that guy. Sure. To, to make it and, and live up to his top five status or wherever, you know, he was in that range. Yep. Um, yeah. You got to make that happen. You got to show up in better shape, man. Uh, so there's your, your Canucks update. Why don't we, uh, we've hit this a lot lately, so we won't spend a ton of time here. Any change in your view on Brady Kachuk now that he's the last one left? Um, we talked two Sundays ago. You weren't worried. You said if it wasn't signed a week later, you would be a little bit worried. Here we are another week after that. Any change at all in your feelings on where the Brady thing stands? Yeah, I I, I become, obviously, as the weeks pass by, <laughs> I become more concerned. And and, and I think what, what makes me, there's more cause for pause because it seems like both sides have been very quiet. There hasn't been a pile of noise. And, and the people you look to, your Chris Johnsons, your Darren Dreggers, yep. your Pierre Lebruns, your Elliot Friedmans, you know, the people who were saying two weeks ago, this isn't about money. It's about, you know, uh, it's not about AAV. It's more about contract structure, you right. know, or maybe bonus money or maybe no move clauses. And then this week you're hearing, yeah, it's, it's actually not about contract structure. It is about AAV. And you're like, Okay, does anybody really know what they're talking about? And we're talking about these are coming from from big name sources, yep. right? Yeah. It's not just me and you bandying this about. It's so to me at this point, I've I've sort of given up listening to to the insiders because I'm now hearing conflicting things week to week on it, right? And so it's fine for the senators to say Hey man, there's still 15 other restricted free agents. Hey, there's still nine other restricted free agents. <laughs> hey, there's four. No, now it's one and it's you again. And, and you haven't you haven't brought this home. And and so to me that is at the moment the, the, the senator's brass doesn't deserve the benefit of the doubt from me sure. or or anybody else, right? So 
I get the Kachucks drive a hard bargain. Yep. But at, at this point, yeah, you haven't given me any reason to to say, yeah, I feel strong in what management is doing here, right? Is there and I don't know on the protocols, maybe you do just because you've been following this story more. Is he now out for the season opener? Like, does he have to quarantine still? Like, I don't know if he's vaccinated or not. I assume he is. If he comes into Canada, can he go right into, like, if it's signed tomorrow, can he be a practice? Or, like, is he now, because we're less than two weeks away from the start of camp, is there an issue there for opening night? Yeah, no, there's no issue. Okay. He can he, he can come right in. The border's open, double vaxxed, you're right. good to go. Okay. Right? So that is not an issue. Okay. If he signs tomorrow, he can be a practice on the Tuesday and and in a couple of regular se- uh, preseason games and good to go. And and I'll be fine with that. Did you um, see... But, sorry, go ahead. But as I said to you last week, the team, the further this goes, the team does not win this no, no. very often. So, and, and uh, I saw a tweet from this morning from Sean Simpson, and, and, it, and it makes good sense to me. He, he, his quote was, if I want to buy the house for $64 million, I'm going to buy it for 67.2. Yep, yep. Well, and, I, and, and I said this on the, the the Tall or Nothing, check it out, noon on the Talking Audio podcast feed. They went into the trade deadline and had the cameras on Kyle Dubas while he's making the Nick Felino deal. And he says, I've already agreed to give up the first round pick. When Yarmo goes, it's going to cost you a fourth as well. And he goes, I already got another fourth out for San Jose, right, to take half of the contract. He goes, am I willing to lose this guy over a fourth round pick, right? And so your point is very well made. If I'm willing to give Brady, you know, eight times 10, let's, or not eight times, eight times eight, just for argument's sake, Yep. Am I willing to lose him because he wants 8.25 right. over eight, right? Or do you just go, fine, fuck it. Like, let's get this finished. Yeah. No, I'm with that. That that to me is, and we can debate all day. And I think I said to you two weeks ago, yeah, I want to be on the show next Sunday debating that we paid too much. Right. Because that's the way it's going to be. Like at, at this point now, you are either going to, you're going to bridge it. I'd rather at this point go with the, go with the quarter mill overpay or whatever that is. Sure. Right. Uh, and, and I agreed with you just for PR reasons, if nothing else, we got it done. We're the team that like, we got our guy, we pay and we can argue if we overpaid, but that's never been the narrative for the senators recently. So yeah. it can be that for once, right? We overpaid, but we got our guy, our captain, the heart of our oh, team. No. Oh, they've overpaid. Colin wow. White, yeah, okay. Dadnov, Murray. Like, blah, 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 but unless you believe <laughs> Eugene when he says he's going to be a cap team, that 20, 250 grand is irrelevant, right? So, oh, oh, wait, we don't believe that, though. So that's. Did you see Senschirp's tweet on Friday that got everybody all fired up and pissed at him about, uh, I think it was on the heels. Did the Leafs, was it Wednesday or Tuesday? They, the Leafs were in Ottawa for a preseason game. I think it was Wednesday. Wednesday. And the next day, I think Chirp had been there. I don't know that for sure. And he just sort of comes out and he said, we need to, it's time to support this team. Like we have to actually buy some tickets. Like it's time to start showing this a little bit with attendance. He goes, we have the young players. We have the young stars. We're going to have to re-sign them. Like the core is starting to come. And he got torched. And I thought a pretty prominent guy in the Sens blogosphere, right? In that Sens community who I thought had some goodwill build up. I've always found him to be fairly balanced um but he got just told for like having that take people saying i'll decide when i'm ready to spend my money our top guy isn't 
signed yet. I'm not giving Eugene shit. Um, at the same time, it's a Wednesday preseason game against half a Leaf lineup up against an important Blue Jay game. Like, I didn't expect that game to be sold out, but it did look pretty pretty empty in there. Is there any credibility for Chirp there as he starts to go at some point? It is going to circle back to the fans to start being put up or shut up, or do you just think it's not that time yet? Yeah, it's not that time yet. And and I, I, I he, what he's saying is not wrong, yeah. right? But there are a pile of people waiting to see what happens here and you talked about that the goodwill of of locking up this guy and, and people saying okay got it right, right? he signed long term shabbat signed long term batherson signed long term yep. we're, we're we're moving in this direction we're not nickel and diming people we're not and you're like hey man what do you want me to do with my hard-earned money if you're not willing to part with yours yep so I, but I agree with you. It was a mausoleum in there when the Leaf was Leafs were in, and and not much better when the Habs were in on Friday. Right. And these are two, you know, they bring crowds with them. Yeah. So it's 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 it is going to have to happen. He's not wrong, but I think I think it's it's not the right time for that statement. What about the people? And I put this out. I quote tweeted him and asked him, "Sense fan." I did get some thoughtful responses. I also got some responses from people who can take a flying fucking leap, because uh, <laughs> there was no snark to it. I genuinely wanted to ask Sense fans, and like I said, I did get reasonable responses that said, "What is the end game if you're never going to support Melnick? Will you let this die out of spite?" Because there are still those people replying to Chirp saying, "I'll never give that guy a dime of my fucking money." Okay, then you have to understand if enough people have that position, he's not, you know, I I agree he has to get the Brady thing done. I agree he doesn't deserve any goodwill or benefit of the doubt from the fan base. But if you're just never going back as long as he owns it, what is your end game? Because that may mean it just goes under and... And I got a bunch of responses. Ah, the league would never let the team leave. They'll help find there are other people in town that'll buy it. If he wants to hold on to this just out of, you know, he likes to own a team and maybe I do sort of agree the league won't embrace moving this team. But at some point, if he gives you Kachuk at a reasonable, you know, pays him what he's supposed to and it's reasonably long term. And like you said, you have Batherson, you have what at some point it will come back to the fans. And I do wonder what the fans that say never will I give another dime to Melnick. Well, then you may just be out of luck, right? Like this thing may just die on your watch. Yeah. See, the league won't let this team leave if it's if it feels like it's going to be supported in that market. Right. It's not going to continue to, although Arizona says differently. <laughs> um, but but yeah, you need to it needs to feel like this is a hockey market. Yes. And so I think winning when and if it shows up here mm-hmm. makes a big difference. Get the players signed, start to win more games than you lose, and there may still be some people who are diehards, but you will bring in new fans. So to me, yeah, you have you have to support the team or else it's gone. This isn't a big enough market to have just count on. Out. This is it. Yeah. This is it. You need the fans. Yes. Uh, Leafs give Sheldon Keefe two years, uh, a contract extension as anyone with internet access in the... Uh, I don't know, Northern Hemisphere pointed out. He hasn't won a playoff series yet. It's pretty legit. 
Um, Leafs have been eliminated twice, once in the first round, once in the elimination play-in round, whatever you want to call it, under his watch. Uh, but they also didn't want to see him walk into this year as a lame duck. Um, so you sort of had a, a a rough spot. But the optics, I would agree, are not great for giving him an extension yet. What do you make of that? Uh, to me, it's it's a no-brainer, yeah. right? Yeah, he hasn't won a team. But you still have Dubas there. Yep. You still have Shanahan. You still brought back the big four. Like, to me, you've already committed. You've stood behind yep. what the, what You're going the down organization the So, to me... I think from a lot of accounts, people like what Keith has done, right? They didn't like what Babcock did when, when Matthews is getting less minutes than Marlowe in the playoffs. <laughs> and, 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 those, and he's gone all in on, on the big four mm-hmm. and he's gone all in on, on riding the stars. And so he's Dubas's guy. He's it's in Dubas's program. And to me, it's a no brainer that, yeah, you give this guy and they don't care about the money. Yeah. No. They got to eat. If they got to eat it at the end of this year, you're like, you're fired. Yep. And you're like, okay, guess what? We're going to pay you blank. I so, still think that's every bit on the table as it, uh, as it was before. Right. But you sure just, with this star, like this group of highly paid stars, he couldn't have a coach in his final year. You had to re up it. And, and like you said, it's just money to MLSE. If they decide yep. at the end of this year, we're cleaning this, no Shanahan, no Dubas, no, then that's what they'll do. Like, yeah. Um, but he does. This is his first full training camp, right? He came in halfway through a season. Then last year, no exhibition games, no real camp, just off and running in the Canadian division. Uh, mm-hmm. This will be his first 82-game season. So he hasn't earned a big five-year, well-paid, you know, job security kind of contract. But I think it was just business, right? For MLSE, give him the contract. And then if you decide in a year you're not happy, then you're not happy and, and they'll deal with it. I, I didn't really understand the backlash um, I, I mean, obviously I do anything Leafs makes news and this guy doesn't deserve, well, maybe yeah. not, but you couldn't do nothing. And he's part of this group that we've seen one thing over and over and over in this all or nothing documentary. And it's the Keith and Dubas are absolutely joined at the hip on almost every single decision that gets made. So there was no reason for Dubas not to give him the two years. And cause he's not going to care if yeah. it doesn't work this year anyway. And, and, Sheldon Keefe could be Scotty Bowman. And if Mitch Marner goes another six games of scoring a goal yep. and you and Tavares is out and you don't get what you need from Matthews, guess what? Yep. Doesn't matter who the coach is. No. So yeah, to me, he's a good coach. Let it ride. Anything else on this one, man? That's it, man. Jam-packed show. We'll have more kind of retrospective on the Blue Jays as as things come out, as they always do in the few days following the season. Uh, it will be an interesting wild card game, Yankees and Red Sox. Uh, for everybody who's not a Blue Jays fan, I mean, that's a marquee matchup, so we'll keep an eye on that. And then anything but the marquee is the Tampa Bay Rays will uh, will get the winner. So uh, it's been a hell of a baseball season, and uh, hockey now less than two weeks away as we get up and going. So uh, like I said, if you want to go back and check out episode 881 with Sean Fitzgerald from The Athletic Talk in the Canadian sports media landscape, uh, that's up on the feed right now. As well as every day this week at noon, we will drop another episode of Tall or Nothing as we look back on the uh, another episode of the Toronto Maple Leafs All or Nothing Amazon Prime series. So stick around for those. And uh, until next time, my name's Matt, his name's Rob, and we will see you later. Now, y'all ain't got nothing else for me to drink. I'm a haul ass. I'm serious. I'm about to haul ass. you have no better shit than this to drink. Thanks for listening. You can get more TCA at tallcanaudio.com or by searching Tall Can Audio on your favorite podcast app.